out there, Foxes fans, and welcome back to another edition of the U.S. Foxes podcast, coming to you live as always in various parts of the United States. I always am your host, Matt Folks, joined by my three wonderful co-hosts. We get the full squad back uh, just to talk about how crap we are. Uh, my wonderful co-host, Mr. Chris Warner in Del Mar. How are you, Chris? I'm doing all right, mate. How about yourself? Uh, better that I can commiserate with my dear friends uh this evening for the people uh mr jason becker with the new york foxes what's up bro well if there's any silver lining to this week is that i can see all of your faces after those two games so that's cheered me up a bit how are you guys it's it's yeah dude it's nice to have something good to look at in your life or focus on the nice things when you know a very big aspect, an important part of your life, like Lesta is to all of us, is just at one of the lowest points in a very, very long time. But one of those beautiful things in our life is Mr. Jim Harris down in Houston. What's up, dude? Hello. Um, thanks for having me back on. I thought after last week's episode, where you all did a wonderful job, that I might not be allowed back. The, 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 the trio triumvirate were there, but... Obviously, the results went, so I came back to to wallow with you all. Yeah, that was your, that was your fault for uh, for being out. That's that's exactly what we'll blame it on. Uh, yeah, so glad to have you back, buddy. Uh, definitely missed you, and looking forward to your input this week because uh, Lord knows we're gonna need to hear everybody's ideas on this one. Um, just I don't know. Can you guys remember a a worse? freaking week losing to you know an fa cup and then like that and then going into a a team southampton at the very bottom and just putting in an even worse performance if that's possible than possibly tuesday because we have the full our full uh squad playing um i guess we'll start with you jimmy you're back so break down i guess your quick little summary of what what the week was for you um much like cities a lot of possession of things but not much end product this so i've i've been doing a lot of shuffling of paper at work but not really being productive being too distracted by what's going on with our club and some sleepless nights about crashing out the fa cup and um then maybe going down to the championship and swapping places with the team we got beaten by yeah um it just shows um what um what you can do with a football team when you are organized and everyone's on the same page and what you cannot do with a football team when you are not organized and everyone is on the same page. I think that's kind of like, for me, that was the, the theme of the week. And as far as, as far as weeks go, uh, football regarding the football, like what's happening on the pitch. Um, yeah, it's been a while since we, we had weeks, like this even though the season has not gone well but you know it does does remind me of some of our previous relegation seasons and um i don't know hope hoping one of you three fine men have some uh some glimmers of hope for us for uh survival for this season when it comes to yeah you make a great point when it, but when it comes to glimmers of hope and optimism there is usually one golden voice that we all turn to, and that uh, would be Mr. Chris Warner. So take Matt, it away, dude. Matt, I watched the game with you in the pub, mate. 
I think all the optimism just blew out of the window halfway through the first <laughs> half. I mean, absolute abysmal, abysmal week. I think not just a lack of everything, like a lack of passion, a lack of a manager with a sense of direction, a sense of wanting to bring players together. It was listening back to last week. We were this, we were this joy of optimism. We were like, you know what? Quarterfinals of the FA Cup playing bottom of the league. I mean, why shouldn't I have thought as a Leicester fan? That's just a bloody catalyst for us to lose two embarrassing games and end up two points above relegation. I don't know, Matt. I'm just so gutted. It's just such a, such a horrible week. Yeah. You know, going, we were, we were all like, Hey, let's use Tuesday as a springboard into the season. We can use them, beat a lower level side, remind ourselves of who we are. Well, we we did about the exact opposite. Um, there were bright spots around there, but at the end of the day, you lose to a lower side, and it's just inexcusable. Um, you know, sure, it wasn't like our our full squad, as we said before, but I mean, you at at this level, and you would hope that our guys are at a level where you can perform and and not get bossed and beaten, the, get the shit knocked out of you by a championship side, and that's to their credit, it's exactly what they did, Jason. Um, I you're when when you look at a result like Tuesday and something that was in our worst dreams, we, you know, we we would have hoped that it would have gone better, but th- this ends up happening. I mean, wh- what do you say to a team that on a Wednesday, knowing that that Southampton's game it was coming up, what do you even say after that to a side? Yeah, I mean, I think um, you kind of said it before. Um, you know, we we got knocked out of the cup by a team we could very well be trading positions with. Uh, in the league and uh, Blackburn right now probably look like more of a Premier League side than Leicester City Football Club does and we look probably more like a championship side right now or playing more like a championship side than Blackburn and um, nobody has any right to any points against any opponent and I think uh, I don't know what, what do you say to to the team, I think you, you you tell these guys that like exactly what you said before. You're going to trade places with this side. Do you think man for man? Do you think where you're you're any worse than those guys? Like at some point, there needs to be a little bit of pride um, in the performances, and uh, this just doesn't really seem to be much. There's not a lot of kind of passion there like you said it was another word that you used there's not any fight and um i'm really concerned because um not only are we kind of heading what seems like uh, on a on a one-way street to um the football league but we have a lot of guys that are probably not going to be on the side next year and i think it's really difficult to convince a lot of guys to come together and fight together and, and make sacrifices on the pitch when their minds are elsewhere and they know they're not part of the project going forward. Um, you're seeing this in the championship right now with a side like Queens Park Rangers. They've got a million guys on loan and they're just bottoming out because those guys don't care. They don't need to be a part of a relegation fight. They just need to get through their loan spell, get their experience, and go back to their their home clubs and, you know, get the hell out of Loftus Road. And 
the, unfortunately, it seems like the same thing is happening on Filbert Way. You need a Nathan Dyer down there. <laughs> um, I you 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 nailed it, man. It's like um, <clears throat> the passion, and and you know we we're, we'll get into Brendan whether or not he is doing anything to inspire anything close to passion um, in in the locker room right now, but. Uh, Chris, we'll go to you, man. I guess when you when you watch that that result, does it speak? Were you? I guess your optimism level after that heading into Saturday. What what were you thinking after you see that result? Well, Wednesday's performance against Blackburn was borderline on it. Just borderline. It was just atrocious. It brought me back to those memories when I was a season ticket holder back in the days of the championship. We were just doing the most inept things you i mean thomas was shocking and marty was useless their goals were just embarrassments on how you could write a book on how not to defend and put both the blackburn's goals into that because it was just shocking behavior and to your point matt like the problem we have now is we have a manager that comes out after that starts and we'll go into more detail but then he, he starts opposing Fass's comments saying not every game's acceptable. We can't win every game in the Premier League. Going into arguably one of the most important games of the season. And you're thinking to yourself, if this guy is coming out and saying this, then what sort of effect is that having on the players? And it is just, I think you guys sum it up perfectly. There's just this cloud of negativity over Seagrave at this moment in time. It reminds me of the weather last week, Matt. Just this horrible grey murkiness it's just hanging over seagrave and i for at the moment don't see how we get out of that and and survive ultimately because i, I do I... think i do think that we should sit we are we're two points what two points off relegation now i really do think this is getting to a point where we may go down well jason you i was depressed and then you added a whole nother layer of layer of the depression when you when you put it in i and obviously i knew that there we had tons of guys that would be taking off but i hadn't wrapped my head around you know their mentality and what what that is probably brewing in the locker room when you got a bunch of guys making plans you know to see each other in the off season when they're in new clubs and shit like that um and saying hey who's your agent got you talking to who's your agent got you talking to um and yeah that can just permeate any semblance of you know a, a team building anything and so that's a great point man um <laughs> just another layer of the of the shitty cake i guess yeah it's um you know things are good, but i think and also what's what's really concerning is just the um the standard that's now become kind of acceptable around the club um is is pretty you know uh is pretty sad and there was one thing like even if we didn't have the the, the best 11 to to start in the game there was always this kind of attitude about Leicester City Football Club since we were promoted, um, that really you know will take all take all comers and play against anyone. And uh, now it looks like we're afraid of every single side that we play, regardless of their level. Yeah, um, Jim, I guess anything that you'd like to say about uh, that shitty performance? Um, you know, the, you literally can just look down and take your choice at what you wanted to see um and we saw none of it so 
I guess you take it away. Yeah. Uh, I, Chris, Chris said something about remind of him of championship days. And I'm kind of like, yeah, the championship days when we got relegated from the championship, it was, it was that. <laughs> um, Brendan's team talk on Saturday morning should have been, well, at least guys, we can focus on the league now. You know, that surprised he didn't say that in the press conference after we got knocked out, you know, as a, as a silver lining, because everything he sort of says at the moment, it's like, he's trying to, as Jason said, take a positive from, from a negative, not really owning up. I think we're sort of seeing that mentality from the players too, out fast, you know, in midweek before the Southampton game, you know, this is must win and blah, 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 blah. We heard it. We saw it today with James Madison uh, attacking Rob Tanner for being negative and, and calling, you know, calling out like a wobbly shit too. So, you know, one, one hand you can say, Hey, does that mean they've got, they're all together in this and they are trying to be as positive as possible. And they're saying, look, if we get our heads down, we're just going to get sucked in and we're going to keep trying, you know, the other side of that coin is, are they in cloud cuckoo land? And we're sort of looking on and seeing this sort of everything, you know, I'm thinking of that meme of the little dog where, it's, you know, everything's fine or whatever, and everything's on fire behind them or whatever. Um, right. So, yeah, I think like Tuesday was just probably some of the worst defending I've ever seen in my life or, or footballing from Daniel Amati. Uh, I think Luke Thomas, at least he was sort of trying, but he just looked lost and bereft of confidence. I think what we're seeing is this manager is if he likes you, he likes you. And if he doesn't like you, he doesn't think about you, but then he still expects you to turn up and be part of everything. And also players seem terrified to make a mistake and that I think we've said this before they seem like they're terrified of making a mistake giving the ball away so what do they do they go even more safe they overly think about everything and guess what they give the ball away um the only one who doesn't seem to think about what he's doing with the ball is wild fast unfortunately again we saw it a couple of times we saw it against southampton as well so um look i i don't know how we get out of it and as the Chris, you guys put us a pod title. I know, like, what's the plan B? And we don't seem to have a plan A either right now. Right. <laughs> right. And you can, it compounds when we haven't even talked about the fact that the one player last week and the week before, we said, man, you know who's got some fuck you in him is Christensen. And that guy's passion. I really just want to see that leak into the, the, the rest of the squad and, and then bam, just like that, out four weeks. Um, so it's uh, the only thing I will say, boys, and the, the only thing that is, I guess, something, and it sucks because you can't get down, you can't get up because this team is such, you do, you have no clue who's going to show up. Would any of us be surprised if, if we came out, you know, on Saturday and just beat the shit out of Chelsea. Um, I wouldn't be, and it would just be one of those things where we throw our hands up and say, "Yep, that's that seems exactly right." Um, Jason, would this, I would be surprised? I, would you? I would be okay. surprised if we won um, this after, weekend. After a Villa, you know, well, I was. I'm just thinking about where we were earlier, and we get a yeah. performance like Villa and a performance like Tottenham, and then bam, we get these two in a row. So the, the Spurs performance was great. You know, we, we played a good game and dominated them, kept Harry Kane quiet the whole game. It, it was a really good performance. Villa kind of flattered us a bit. 
we gave up a lot of quality chances against Villa, sure. like a ton of quality chances, and it's the same thing that we see over and over again. This insistence on playing that high line and getting beat, like it happens all the time. It's been happening all year. We've got the defenders now having to turn around, run as fast as they can towards the goal. And then you also have a you know a, a keeper which let's say that that goal um, that Southampton scored I don't think that's Danny Ward's fault, but how many times have now have we seen balls get beyond our defenders? They're running back toward and then they realize like oh I I don't have a very confident goalkeeper back there to to, to make this play while I have my back to a uh, to a, an opposing striker who's pressing the hell out of me right now. So, but again no one seems to learn from these constant mistakes and it almost feels like Rogers is setting up the team, setting up the game plan for the team that he um, wishes he had and not the personnel that he can actually put on the pitch. And we don't have defenders that are going to be able to turn around and make those recovery tackles all the time. And we don't have defenders that are seem to be particularly good at holding an offside trap. So something has to change there. And it's just, it makes no sense to me that they play such a high line, but have completely abandoned the press. We're at our best when we're pressing the, the um, other team high up the pitch, but what is going on right now when you, you, you set the defenders up at the halfway line and then you're not like trying to pin the the opponent back in their half like what are we what's going on here and so now you've got players who have all day to look up and pick out a pass it's just it, it, it makes no sense i don't understand what i'm what i'm watching yeah, and you, you said it's not necessarily his fault. And, yeah, we can just dive into that. And Southampton guys, in it. there's no really formal format this evening. Um, but on that, sorry, I think I lost my thing here. Um, but on that note, guys, I think you're speaking about Danny. He comes out, right? He comes, we, we see him start to come. And then we spoke last week about how he just sort of freezes. And we see we've seen it before, a moment of just... He's not sure what to do. And we saw that just slight hesitation. He leaves that angle open. And Chris looks at me. He's like, how else could he have played that? What should he have done? And I told Chris at the time, I said, you run, you, you close that angle down until you run into the striker. Um, I, I guess Jim uh, or Chris, whichever guy you want, want to do that. I'm having all sorts of tech issues over here. Uh, Whichever one of you guys wants to take it on and, and I guess give your thoughts on uh, on Saturday. Go for it, Jim. Oh, boy. Um, I think it started in midweek. So I think the wild fast thing. And then looking at the social media, we saw training clips of literally the slowest buildup and then scoring goals from Wilf and Mendy. And it's like... Where are our attackers? Why aren't they scoring a thousand goals? If I was Jamie Vardy or I was Harvey Barnes, I would have gone to training and I'd have scored about a million goals and just like hit the back of the net until I could do it with my eyes closed. Um, like, I know you talked a little bit about the goal and Danny Ward 
Danny Ward should have been swinging his balls around saying, I'm the king of the world because he saved the penalty. He got our bums out of jail and he was pumped. But I think what happened was that you, you, you rightly said he was kind of caught in this like, oh, well, we've given the ball away 40 yards out. He's kind of hanging out. You could see him sort of backing out, backing backing into his goal and deciding what's going to happen because the striker's going to come in as close as possible. And if he goes out his box, he's just going to get chipped or whatever. But then he sort of like he freezes and he he sort of just falls over next to the ball. Like it it was he had quite a good angle. If you were to look at where he was standing, his positioning was good. He didn't have his feet planted because he wasn't prepared for anything. Like Alcaraz, fair play, he took the shot early. But sorry, you shouldn't be getting beat from from like twenty two yards there <laughs> when it's that close. I you know I do put some on Danny Ward, but he, his defenders left him in a mess. Look, oh. the first like they they scared the crap out of me in the first minute where they forced a corner. Like we gave the ball yeah. away, they got into us. They were like these guys. They just lost in the cup. Boom. Then we were like, okay, first minute we defended. Tete actually got into some pretty decent spots and we were working it down the right-hand side pretty nicely with Ricky and KDH was playing quite well. Um, and then they were forcing these like one-on-ones with Tete and, and um, the, the, left, the left back, Walker Peters. Yeah, I wrote down KWP and I couldn't remember who it stood for. And I was like, Ward Prowse? No, Kevin Ward Prowse is that his, is his brother. Um, <laughs> but every time he couldn't beat him, he had him in his pocket. Yeah. The whole game. But then what happened was Tete tried to take him on. We were working it down nicely. Nacho's joining in. Lovely little triangles. And then and then even that point where like we worked into a beautiful little triangle and Matters puts um Ricky through and he should have put us one up. But then all of a sudden we start playing it down the left. And Harvey Barnes is like the opposite. It was like pinging off him like he was a freaking bowling ball pin or something. And he didn't want the ball. He would turn backwards. He'd look for it and look for Castagna to be bombing on. He'd come back to Mendy. Mendy would recycle it back to Bass and we'd like work it around. But we did have some nice play. And I thought, okay, 10, 12 minutes, keeping the ball nicely is what I wrote down, but ineffectual. But we were controlling the game. And it was actually every time it went Harvey Barnes that it broke down the play, apart from that it was one cross he put in. Um, but then, you know, you think, Okay, we're in this. Is okay. We're playing some football. We're keeping the ball. Madison's linking the play. It's lovely to keep him. But then it's just like, you know, there's the Nacho header as well. First twenty minutes, like pretty much in control. And then, like you said, penalty. Oh, oh, oh dear, big trouble. Ward steps up and saves it, like. I went nuts. I'm sure you oh, guys yeah. went nuts as well. And I'm like, we have just been given the biggest let off. We've been forcing them back. We've been keeping the ball. There's no way, like, you know, this got to be it. Like, Brendan needs to be into them. And I think there was a an injury to the, the centre-back quite early, just a bit before the penalty. Mm-hmm. And I think I remember, Jason, it was you or uh, someone saying, like, look at the Southampton coach. He's talking to all his players. Brendan wasn't talking to our players. Um, and then I think they just started getting in and getting in. And then obviously the goal comes pretty quickly after. So I'm going to stop there because I'm kind of like. No, it's 
<laughs> that's perfect. Break- that's perfect breakdown, dude. As always, from you, uh, always value your your in depth perspective. Um, I I literally I'm I'm sitting here thinking to myself. I started going then through just the blatant misses, and we we spoke. You know, we're in the valley of Nacho right now. We were at Mount Nacho, you know, a few games ago. Like we're up there, we're waving the flag we are singing his praises and now we are in the depths you know we are in death valley nacho right now and when he's missing i mean the dude could have had a hat trick really by just moving his head this is all he would have had to do he didn't even it would have been such a simple hat trick but my god when he's missing and you can just see his confidence with every single one just going down and down and down and then you throw in you know harry sudar uh, that's just heartbreaking as well. So the chances are there, Chris, we're watching, you know, that the opportunities happen and, you know, the optimist in me is like, Oh, we're getting great chances any other day. And Madison obviously roasted Tanner on this. It, it, um, unfairly, I thought, by the way, but um, when you're, there's something to be said that when you're not making these great chances, you can have all the chances in the world. If you're not finishing them as a team, that says a hell of a lot too, Chris, in my opinion. Yeah, no, agree, Matt. Agree. I mean, yeah, we had, I mean, last week we had the worst XG. This week we won XG, but it doesn't matter. We just didn't, we couldn't take the finish. We couldn't I'm take gonna do the my Brendan celebration to that. <laughs> we, we couldn't finish. I mean, the Nacho. Uh, that first one, I thought it was harder to miss than it was to score, to be honest, to your point, mate. Truly. It was yeah. it just hit him. I I um it's just one of those things where I you talk about these chances and stuff. When when we went one nil down, I just didn't see us getting back into that game. I just couldn't I just couldn't see where that catalyst was coming. Um you talk I think KDH and people like that had good 10 minute periods here and there. But for the most part, I just, I thought the midfield was crap. I thought at center off to to you guys, just to reiterate, like why are we playing a high line and why isn't Faust learning from his mistakes from last week, the week before and the week before that, like lad needs to learn to just oof it up the park and give them a goal kick. It's end of the day. They can't score if it's a goal kick on their end, mate. Like, well, I think that I honestly I know, dude, but I think that speaks to Jason's earlier point. Like, if Brendan likes you, it's it's you got to do you got to really fuck up to get out of there. And on top of that, Brendan seems to hate the other center backs on the team, so he's sure as fuck not going to put Soyuncu yeah, I mean, in there. If he wants so to play it, a high line, Soyuncu is probably our quickest defender. You would think that he would be in the team if he wanted to <laughs> deliberately play a hard. I mean, no offense, we haven't seen. I haven't seen Sutter and Faust run a 40-yard dash, but I'm guaranteeing they ain't going to be very fast. But yeah. why, to your guys' point, are we playing such a high line if we don't have the players well, that can play that or the tactics, like you said, further forward of pressing in the game? So, Andrew's another guy, though, that, um, you know, he'll be gone next year. Yeah. I mean, he didn't give a shit. It's just... Um, yep. So I don't know what we're expecting from him. It's not like he's had a stellar couple of years when he has played, but it's um, kind of baffling to see when he when when he first he he was doing great in the in the Bundesliga, um, but then he came here. 
he had a bit of a rough start. His footwork was really awkward, but you saw like he he spent time and he worked on it in the offseason. He looked like such a good, slick defender who was also mean. We have no there's no toughness. There's none of that in this side. No one's gonna like leave a spike in someone's leg or or put a little hot sauce on a on a tackle. Just like this side just doesn't have it in them. But I also don't know if Brendan Rodgers has that in him or even wants that because uh, you just never see that type of response from him about anything. And I, I keep using this analogy like over and over and over again, but it, I think it's – I don't know how else to describe it. Like we're in a scrap. We're in a relegation fight right now, and there's only one way out, and that's to fight your way through it. And – we're in an alley right now, and there's, we can't turn around. Mm. There's only you just have to fight your way through it, and no one seems to be, no one seems to have that dog in them yeah. to go and and um, and get nasty and to kind of, you know, do whatever it takes, fight, claw, do whatever it takes to to get a point. We just because, don't do that. This side does not win draws. No. They don't go and just grab a point somehow. They just don't have it in them. And if you can't even go to Southampton and and get get a point there, we 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 lost both games to Southampton this year. It's insane. So it's just uh, and then yeah, you were, as far as the football goes, like that was like it was just a bad game. Like I, I we we had some like fans watching with us, like P- PSG and and Aletti and like Milan pants. I remember like turned to some of these guys. I was like, yeah, best league in the world, eh? Because <laughs> like some of the football was just atrocious. Yeah. We've got guys, we have a midfield that can't pass the ball now that Yuri, Yuri is not there. And then how many times, I mean, I'll give Madison a lot of credit for he was really trying to make things happen. But when Rodgers moved him out onto the left, left, he was just kind of by himself and having to beat two, three men. And Castagna just could not get up the pitch and offer him any kind of support or any kind of outlet. And like, we're screwed, man, because Christensen is out for a month. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to rely on on Ricardo and, and Castagna. I think Castagna looks like he's getting tired. Um, Luke Thomas doesn't seem like he's going to be the answer uh, this year. And then I don't know if anyone can be fully confident in, in Ricardo and, and, and his fitness, you know, he's probably one of the brighter players for us right now. That's a really bad prospect, but you know, at least we let Mark Albrighton go on a free. So we don't have that. Um, and now we've got wingers who aren't doing anything, but you know what, at least we let a Jose Perez go for on a free as well. So there is, you guys, whoever decided to write no plan B, yeah, we kind of don't have a plan B by default because we just don't have the players anymore. Yeah. Sorry, Matt. No, go ahead, bud. No, I think, yeah, Jason, you you nailed it. Like, we're too easy to play against. Like, we're a dream to play against. High line, no press. Oh, pick a pass. Here's, here's 30 yards to play it in between behind as well. And as Chris said, our center backs aren't that quick. Castagna looks tired. You're right. He, he got 
rinsed by Theo Walcott. Like Theo Walcott play, played pretty well. He pressed pretty hard against Harvey and doubled up defensively. The guy's like 33, 34. Um, he like I actually thought we looked better when there was a there was like five minutes when the, the fullback swapped, mm-hmm. and I thought Pereira looked better like left and Castagna looks more comfortable on the right because the thing is he does he he kind of comes inside he's an inverted fullback, and what happens is Harvey Barnes comes in as well and so they're both kind of tucked in and then Castagna goes oh crap I got to go on the outside again Harvey Barnes is kind of looking for him and waiting and like you said Jason. Castagna's being like pinned back and then he's expected to bomb it forward because and Harvey Barnes is sort of standing there going okay let me play a through ball to you let me play oh where are you where are you oh let me just put it back to Mendy um we like we haven't even mentioned Alcaraz their best player went off on the in the 50th minute injuring himself thank goodness because he with his knee slide for the goal and then I don't know who is smoking what on the on the ratings on the BBC website where the thing Adam Armstrong was like an eight point, whatever out of 10. Um, but whoever was scoring the Leicester players was very accurate in our very poor ratings. Um, so I think that there was, they actually say Stuart Armstrong on the BBC and he doesn't even play for them anymore. So I don't think, but um, great BBC. So, but I don't like Jason's you're right. It's like, He's trying to play like Man City. I think we've talked about this before. He's obviously a disciple of Guardiola because the way he wants to play is this way. He's got his team now because this is how he played preseason. Like these are the starting fullbacks. We talked about that. Christensen has has been a bonus and he's also, and I think he should be first name on the team sheet kind of right now, to be honest. Um, And then... Like no one else is to the races. Like substitutions were pretty much ineffectual. Like I think about what he did. He brought Pratt on for Barnes. Barnes obviously, I think, had an injury problem when he got his yellow card. And hopefully he's not going to be out for an extended period of time. I've not heard that today. Um, but he needs a bit of a rest. But but then I was like, oh, okay. Why don't we go 4-3-3, play Pratt in the middle, as like a number eight with KDH and then put Madison on the right wing, maybe play Tete on the left or have Madison on the left wing and sort of keep them tight up front. But no, he kind of plays Pratt left midfield and starts like says, be Harvey Barnes, please. And you're like, that guy can't do that because obviously, yeah, you want to keep Madison at 10 and, and link up the play. But we've seen Madison earlier this season play as a right winger before we had Tete and be very effective in our kind of big, big run when we went on, you know, won all those games and played himself into a World Cup spot. And then he kind of got crocked again during the World Cup and training because he didn't get a sniff of having a game. So I'm like, why don't you go to the things that worked, play to the strengths of the players we have, go to a mid block where we have a goalkeeper who's terrified, protect him at all costs, don't concede. Do what all managers do, which are the basics of block, block, work the ball quickly, move it around, let the ball do the work. But we, we just sort of play this, oh, we're top of the league. We're going to outplay a Southampton team. We're going to outplay anybody. Jason, you're like you're spot on. 
Villa flattered to deceive. This is the other side of the coin to the Villa game in my eyes. We we played like we did against Villa. We had the same number of chances. We the goals didn't go in. I think like we pretty much scored every shot we had against Villa. And I I just think like I'm very very worried about like playing Chelsea on at the weekend who finally got a win, you know, we're not going to be the hey, we get to we get to be the team again that sacks the Chelsea manager like with um Mourinho, right? So they're going to come and I think well, I'm think we could be on the end of a fucking beating if we if we play like that. I think anyone beat us. So yeah, yeah, play someone yeah. in the championship again. Jason, you made such a good point earlier, man, about you know Brendan and and does he even give a shit or have a fight in him? And it's like, dude, he, he's you're you're never gonna see Brendan, you know, choking a player out at Crystal Palace on the sideline, a la Nigel Pearson. You know, um, we're not. He's just he's never gonna be that kind of manager. And you know, crazy concept here, but imagine, you know, wherever, whatever you guys are, list, wonderful listeners do for a living. Imagine being at your job and your boss, just like at the beginning of the new fiscal year is just like, I need all new employees. I need all new employees. I cannot work like this. And week after week after week, your boss is just saying how he wants new employees to make his, to make his job better, to make the workplace better. I need new players. I need new players or new employees i need new employees because that right now is what that locker room has heard over and over and over again from their manager all year you guys aren't good enough fuck y'all i need new players and then when he didn't get the players well my players suck i didn't get the players i wanted this is why we suck it's the players so i right now we're asking these players to get behind a guy that has done that to them for a very long time now and i i think we we it just speaks to your point guys we are in a very very fucking dangerous spot right now and it feels because you know the great escape season say what you will the boys fought for nigel uh he was rough but the guys got behind him and they they coalesce as a group to save themselves there just is none of that right now with this team chris in my opinion that any anyone any of them despite what matters says to rob tanner on twitter Oh, sounds like your mic uh, is not working. I had a great but... joke. I was about to say go. it feels like Ted Lasso's <laughs> in charge at times. It really does. I mean, it, all it is is just talk, 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 and then anything ta- tactical nuance, throw it out the window. Who gives a who gives a shit? Like you said, sticking Dennis Pratt <laughs> in the second half out wide. How many times have we seen Dennis Pratt out there? How many times have we seen that Dennis Pratt can't play out there? And yet what we do, we play Dennis Pratt out there. No, I don't look. I, I, we're not boring him up today again, but um, some of the other decisions Rogers makes, like Vardy's substitution, he hasn't done anything for us recently. I mean, Docker is just sitting there waiting. And yeah, Matt, 100% will you, mate? It's just, I feel like I'm just regurgitating the same and same again, mate, but it's just not good enough from the manager. It's not good enough. And now we're in a precarious position. We're not going to win at the weekend. We've got Brentford away the weekend after. We ain't going to pick up a point there. We go to Salas Park the weekend after that. We're not, we haven't got a great track record at Salas Park at times. It's a difficult place to go. (sighs) 
I can't see anything out of the next spiraling. three games. I cannot see anything. Out <laughs> My optimism has just been destroyed. And now I'm just this pessimistic clown. I just don't see where, even where we're going to score. We haven't scored. We haven't, by the time we play after the Palace game, it'll be April the 1st. And we may have not even scored in the Premier League since the beginning of February at that rate, mate. Like, it's just relegation form at this moment in time. Uh, and we have to score at least two goals to get anything out of any game right now. Yeah. There's no, like, all right, let me at least sort out the back line and get us picking up points. Can't even do that. How how can you stay up in this league where you can, when you cannot fight out a draw you, where you have to score at least two goals just to get a point in the game? It, it looks pretty bleak. I mean, I will say scoring goals generally is not our issue with, with Rodgers, and this year it really hasn't been. Um, I think we were a little unfortunate against Southampton. Um, uh, good for Ian Atcher, he gets into the positions, but you know, a lot of people, including uh, the man who wore the, the armband, um, uh, last game, would say, Oh, on, on another day, you know, we take our chances, uh, we win that game. Oh, that's fine, uh, you know, for, for matters to say, but also on another day, James Ward Prowse scores that penalty. And we need two goals just to get a point against the bottom team in the division, who actually like looked awful too. And you can yeah. see they they had no confidence themselves we, and were desperate to hang on at the end of that game. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think like they have the the worst goalkeeper in the league apart from ours, and he's what twenty, so he's got yeah. an excuse. Um, we have to win realistically like five, four games and get three draws to get to 38 points, 39 points. Like, or we have to get five wins. Like, so who are we going to beat? Not Chelsea. Brentford won again. I was like, oh, Brentford won. Oh, that's bad for us. Oh, yeah, they're ninth. They're miles ahead. They're pushing for Europe. Um, so then we go to Palace away, as Chris said. Never get anything like we never seem to get anything at Palace apart from Vardy's infamous eagle dance, malarkey um, that our good friend Eddie recreated down in Orlando. Um, even though it was against the Seagulls, but we still loved him for it. Loved it. Um, Shout out Eddie Villa at home. Are we going to beat Villa? Villa again? Hopefully, we. You know, there you go. There's one. Bournemouth at home. Bournemouth. We always just seem to just bottle it against yep. them. I don't know why yep. they. But, then we have Man City away. Okay. No chance on that, I don't think. Wolves at home. I goodness knows what we do against Wolves. Like it's, you know, whatever. They put in one again on the weekend. Um, then we have Leeds away. Okay. So hopefully they're still crap. Um, Everton at home. Okay. Maybe, but probably not at that point. Fulham away. Probably not. <laughs> Liverpool at home, shit. Um, Newcastle away. Hopefully they keep going down, 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 but doubt it. So, and then West Ham at home last game of the season. I'm, I'm not, like, unless we have everybody else, and this is the only thing that's the saving grace, everyone else down the bottom is super crap from, what, pretty much 12th to 20th. Right. Right. And 
then there's a big sort of divide you get sort of bump you know there's a quite a big gap and it's sort of that's the only saving grace that we had a bad weekend and and so did you know Leeds so etc you know so sorry so did West Ham so did Leeds so did Bournemouth Palace luckily lost you know I think Forest drawing against Everton was the best result we could have hoped for um so if we stay like we got an a squeaky bum time like Jason said score at least one goal if not two to to get a win and or then a, or even a point yeah to get right. we haven't even we've drawn three games this season we can't even draw a game we lose right pretty much most of the time as as well statistics show first what 15 games we've lost um and then we have to rely on other people being crap as well so look i don't i don't think any of us like this do we to be negative and but like piper said today on the bbc forum oh brendan maybe because he hasn't been down here he doesn't know what it's like to be a down here manager it's like i'm sorry but that's bs he should know how he's won us football matches he needs to go back to the drawing board and say look how do you just play football to with the team I've got, with the players I've got, I get, I God knows between eight and ten million pounds a year, depending on what you read. You got to figure it out, mate. You've got to play. You know, Nacho's the only one who looks like he's going to be scoring goals. He's at least getting in positions, as you said, Matt. Um, more than like Daka's gone off the face of the earth now. Poor guy. He was trying his heart out. Vardy's ahead of him. I sorry, Vardy, but I can't see how you're getting game time. All you do is jog around and then do a yod back flick to someone to no one right now. And that's really sad to see. Um, and so I'm just like very, very worried right now on where we're gonna get points, how we're gonna stay stable, and and how we're gonna kind of just like without scoring goals that a very high percentage because you know we seem to have to have it on a plate and matt you said like it was harder to miss a couple of nacho's chances on saturday you know the first one I, the commentator actually said oh well he's looking at the linesman to see if he's offside and he's hoping he's offside i'm like <laughs> that <laughs> so yeah matters i hope you're right mate and it's just an off day and we we take the positives of chances created and whatever at least but again, how many shots on target? Exactly zero for the listeners. Um, and we all know that if you're a listener. So you got to hit the freaking goal first. That's basically three games with not really putting anything on target in the league. At least two and a half, I think. Ain't pretty. Ain't pretty, guys. But uh, yeah, I I wish that, you know, we... you could give you some optimistic uh into this thing that's usually where chris comes in and he says something just uplifting as shit like we're together mate but it's it's just, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i got nothing for you this time guys because the optimist one is is doesn't have it for you so chris what are your final words this week then if you because <laughs> you're spiraling just so people just speak again so people know you're still there keep the faith try your best to keep the faith i mean we've been in some shitty positions over the past 10 years we've been in some good positions as well 
Yeah, just try and keep the faith, guys. I mean, freaking out. Well, I mean, I keep looking at the table and I keep thinking to myself, oh, it's not that bad. And then to Jim's point, you look at it. 15 losses is one behind Southampton in terms of the worst number of losses in the Premier League. Draws, yeah, we haven't got any. We've got three. It's There's just not a single metric that you see at this moment in time that gives you that sense that we can get out of this. And that's what I need to see from the players on Saturdays. Hey, we might get absolutely tonked. I mean, Fafana might score a hat-trick. Chilwell might grab one. But at the... The same thing about it is what I'm looking for is just some sort of response to let me know that the players and the manager have got something that we can hold on to over these next the rest of the season. That's that's what I'm looking for, and we'll see what happens. Maybe maybe Rob Tanner ends up being MVP of the season because he is what caused James Madison to coalesce <laughs> the locker room. So I hope believe that Rob is the one that lit the fire under their ass. Jason, do you have any comments for our wonderful <laughs> listeners? Oh, Rob, Rob is a is a great guy. Do they do they have a, been a friend to a lot of uh of American foxes for yes sir for many years. Um yeah, I mean, I guess if I'm going to end things on some sort of a positive note, I would just tell um, the people out there, especially some of the the newer American fans out there, that you know what, the championship ain't that bad, man. It's a lot of fun. Um, we we spent a lot of time down there. We've had some great times. We we're part of some incredibly memorable um, games, some incredibly heartbreaking games as well. But um, yeah, it ain't that bad. It's it's a fun division. It's real fun, and it's uh, it's a great place for uh, cult heroes to be made. Uh, just ask Anthony Knockhart, and we thought that that was going to be the best player we'd ever see on the right wing for us. So uh, it it is fun down there. Jimmy, uh, last words before we send uh, everybody off. I'm just imagining um, like a major league-style cardboard cutout of Rob Tanner and his underpants saying, you guys stink, and every time they win, they take a little piece off his clothing. So... I can't say anything else. Well, we uh, we can only hope that something lights a fire under these guys and uh, causes them to yeah find some reason to fight. And like I said, guys, I still I'm not convinced that something crazy won't happen at where we win Saturday yeah, just because of the way this season is gone. You know, who the hell knows what's going to happen? So um, I guess that that's the positive note for y'all. Keep the faith, as Chris said, and we'll see you next time on the U.S. Boxing Podcast. Here you go.